is a disgusting act by Randy Moss. Well, he has trouble with the snap, and the ball is free! But they are who we thought they were, and we let them off the hook. are listening to uh, the final whistle on Blue Gold Radio Sunday uh, on 89.7 WEC and streaming live on the communication department um, live streams to the University of Wisconsin-Eau Claire. Like I said, this is the final whistle with Jack, Wyatt, and Durs. Moving on to some NFL, this will get Wyatt a little more involved as I know he loves that NFL stuff. So I'm actually going to start with you, Wyatt. I'll ask you this question. Do you think the Chiefs are out of playoff contention this year? And with that being said, do you think their window is closed? I do think they are in playoff contention this year, but I do think their window is closed. Mm. Um, just because they're constantly being injured, they refuse to bolster their defense. I think teams have figured out how to counter their offense. Basically, all you need to do is take away Kelsey or Hill, and then you're pretty much good. And Patrick Mahomes is playing hero ball. He reminds me a lot of Carson Wentz from last wow. year. Wow just trying to do it himself and throwing picks and making mistakes. Yeah. And well, it's interesting that you, you bring up that Carson Wentz comparison and, and um, I don't know if I'd go as far as saying Carson Wentz because we we all know what happened with Carson Wentz, but I do, I do see what you mean with the hero ball. And I think that stay, strains from, you know, you, you kind of missed on your running, your franchise running back. Clyde Edwards Hilaire has not been what they've wanted him to be or what they expected him to be. Um, can I, can I just, yeah, up? absolutely. I think they're not using him correctly. Mm. Coming out of college, he was more of a pass-catching back yeah. than anything. But with Mahomes' skill set, he's not being used in that role. He's being he's there, When they do run the ball, they're trying to just run it with him as a bell cow back mm. instead of utilizing him as a run and pass option because Mahomes just will not check the ball down. Right. Instead of that, he'll just roll, roll out and try to find a play downfield. It's a good point because it, he's never going to be that Alvin Kamara or that Austin Eckler who – in an offense that that one at the time with Drew Brees was a checkdown style offense because he just didn't have the arm anymore. But then you also look at the Chargers right now with Eckler and you see Joe Lombardi, their 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 coach was the offensive coordinator of the Saints when um, Kamara really took off. You see how those guys thrive in pass catching roles, and uh, it turns. I I don't think Austin Eckler is an elite running back in this league personally I, I mean I think when you just look at him as a running back he's not as a pass catching running back he is an elite running back in this league and it it really makes a difference between Clyde Edwards Hilaire and and say a, a Derrick Henry or a Delvin Cook a guy who you can just put the team on their back and run with them um, but along with that that poor utilization he's been hurt a lot he hasn't stayed on the field so we haven't really seen what they fully can do with him and i liked your point of all you have to do is eliminate two receivers then you eliminate kelsey and you eliminate hill and you've eliminated their entire offense i mean the the buccaneers did it in the super bowl last year you pressure the quarterback and and cover their two top receivers and that offense can't do anything mm-hmm um, and you know, going off of 
that point with just the coaching and, and kind of how they're utilizing some of their players. I think that in a way they've been lacking a lot of creativity lately as mm. well. I think that, you know, and Andy Reid has had a tendency to do this. If you look at his tenure in, in uh, Philadelphia, they were very successful in the early 2000s and then their offense became predictable. Donovan McNabb got older and they were still a force in the NFC East, but they didn't translate that to making Super Bowls um, like they did in, I think, the 2004-2005 season when they lost to the Patriots in the Super Bowl. Um, and if you look at, you know, just some of the, yeah, just some of the play call, Tyreek Hill is mostly a deep threat. He's been getting double covered a lot. Miko Hardman is very fast, but they haven't been using him as much as they should. And I think that their, their speed was a huge factor especially earlier in Mahomes career when they're trying to make things a little easier for him before he really was, you know, taking over the NFL as one of the greatest players in the, in the game today. And just on top of that, I think they're putting too much pressure on Patrick Mahomes to carry the team. Mm. He is doing way too much. He's trying to do too much. I mean, today against the Tennessee Titans, I think the Titans scored either a touchdown or a field goal on their first four drives and they got the ball first. So Mahomes, I think, got sacked on, on the first drive. They had a punt, and then they had a, a fumble and an interception, which were on Mahomes, so he's not playing his best football either. I think he has nine interceptions this year so far when he had six all of last season, so that's something that's alarming in terms of his play. But it's also hard to limit turnovers when you've seen the field three drives and you're already down 24 to zero by the time you start your first drive and that that was what i was going to say to that point is like this is a team that for whatever reason now granted uh a lot of money is is put towards mahomes hill kelsey and that offense so you know a lot of that salary cap goes towards that but this is a team that has almost refused to do anything with that defense and has decided that they will be okay with a mediocre defense i mean they're worse than mediocre uh, they're ranked 31st 31st in the league in total defense daniel Sorensen is probably the worst safety in the game and he's also not used correctly if he was a uh not a free safety and and more of a a nickel safety and they used you know six d-backs he'd be fine in that type of defense but he just doesn't have the speed and he's getting burnt by tight ends. I think he got beat by Dawson Knox from the Bills deep down the field twice yeah. in that in that Sunday night game when they lost 38-20 two mm-hmm. weeks ago. Um, one thing I will say is that the Chiefs have had one of the most difficult schedules so far. I mean, if you look at the schedule, they had the Browns to start. They had the Ravens, the Chargers. They had an easier game against Philadelphia. But then they had the Bills and the Titans each in the last few weeks with Washington splitting the middle of that. So, you know, it's been definitely a challenge when their defense is facing the likes of Mayfield and the, the Browns rushing attack, and then Lamar Jackson, Justin Herbert, Josh Allen, and Derrick Henry, all to start the season. So I do think that their schedule has been a little more difficult than most teams in the league, so you have to kind of give them the benefit of the doubt with that, so far at least. And then their schedule isn't going to get any easier. They like have matchups against the Packers, um, the Raiders, the Cowboys in that offense, which I think is one of the best in the NFL at the moment. I agree. Then they face the Chargers again, a Steelers team, which is hit or miss each week, the Bengals, which we don't know yet, but I think they're looking really, really good, and then the Broncos again, which uh, aren't looking too good to end the season. I, I, I honestly would disagree with you too, in the sense, not that their schedule gets easier, but in the sense that 
I think they turn it around this year and I think their window stays open. And um, I only say that because it's, it's the Tom Brady effect. Patrick Mahomes is a generational talent and, and he will forever keep that team relevant. Beyond that, he's the type of player and skill that other players are going to want to play for. He will be able to do what Tom Brady does and he is going to be able to draw people to that team for smaller contracts than they'd get from like the Detroit Lions or a team that can spend big but isn't quite as appealing. As long as Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid are there, as long as Tyreek Hill is also there, Travis Kelsey is there, and you have this offense that is just filled with these superstars, these generational players, players are going to want to play for you. But then why hasn't that happened this year? They need players to come and they need players to play, bolster that defense, fill their ranks, but it just hasn't happened. I don't know what they've looked for that. I mean, back-to-back, you're in the Super Bowl. And the only reason that happened with the Buccaneers was because Brady came there. So all these Patriots players and these other players from around the league were like, well, we're also going to go there. And then what happens? They're in the Super Bowl again. I think, you know, you look at you look at the Chiefs and, and I argue the same thing could happen. As soon as it looks like, oh, maybe, maybe we're there this away from from this this little bit, this one player, this one piece away from from winning a Super Bowl. I could go there and I could yeah. help. I think I think their window is closed, hmm. and I I don't want to say it's permanently closed, but it it's I should say it's closing fast. And this franchise in its current state reminds me a lot of the early 2010s Packers, when they won a Super Bowl with Aaron Rodgers with an opportunistic defense. So they overlooked all of the holes they had in their defense. They come back the next year in 2011. 15 and 1 record, Rodgers wins MVP, and then they get absolutely blown out by Eli Manning and the Giants at Lambeau, mm-hmm. right? That happened last year in the Super Bowl for the Chiefs in which Patrick Mahomes was the only player on the field who looked like he was playing in the game. And they come into this year saying, "Okay, that hurt, but we think we still have the pieces and now they're struggling to even put together a team that might even make the playoffs." And I, I actually think that it's going to be almost a toss-up whether they make the playoffs mm. because if I look at their next four games, New York, that should be a win. It would be embarrassing if they lost that game. It's a home game against the Giants. Mm-hmm. Against Green Bay, though, and then at Vegas, at the Raiders, and even with all of the stuff with John Gruden that's been going on, the Raiders are still a actually decent yep. team this year. Um and then again, they're at home against the Cowboys. I think that best case scenario, they end up winning three of those four games, and they're six and five heading into their bye week. I think that's best case scenario. I think worst case, they win one, and they head into the bye week being four and seven and almost out of playoff contention. So I think that that's almost a toss up. But the worst part for them is that they have to play Vegas twice. They have LA again, and then they also have the Bengals, and that's a road game in that schedule. So. I think that if they made the playoffs, they would be the seven seed. And I think that's the best case scenario. Six or seven I mean, seed. Yes, but the AFC is not what it was last year. It's not what it was two years ago. It's not as strong as it's been in the past. And I think it's trending in that direction of it's probably not going to be strong for too much longer. I mean, there will be the teams, the the Bills, the Chargers, the teams that look like they're coming up and, and, being, and are going to be powerhouses. I still don't think I, – I think the window is open for them to consistently be a, a top four seed in the playoffs every single year. 
I don't know that there are four to five teams in the AFC better than the Chiefs. And this year, can, including this year and beyond, I, I really don't know that I'll see that unless, you know, something drastic happens. I think you could argue the Titans, the Bills, the Chargers, and maybe the and, and the Ravens. I think those are the only teams you could argue. I think the Bengals yeah. are better than the Chiefs this year. I have to say that as well. Mm, I think I think I need one more year of of a, of a good Joe Burrow because let's not forget that majority of their wins have been by small margins. Um, not today. Not today. And not, so have their losses. Not today. So have their losses. They've been close. I I n- there's not been enough for me to sit there and be like, wow, that team. You know. I need a little bit more, and I think there's enough question marks there. Joe Mixon can't stay healthy. Joe Burrow has even been banged up a little bit. Um, you kind of wonder, like, okay, what's this team going to look like long long term? They also haven't faced the toughest schedule yet. You know, they've faced a, a up and down Vikings team. They faced a Packers team that we're a little unsure about. They're not. Who knows how amazing they're going to be? I mean, I just think that people also underestimate the Bengals' defense. Nobody's talking about it. They were so aggressive in free agency coming into the season, and they signed they signed a woozy. They signed Trey Hendrickson from the Saints. He had thirteen and a half sacks last year. Mm-hmm. Okay, they got Eli Apple from the Eli Giants. Apple's not been good for. He's not. I mean, he's not great, ever. but he's still a he's still a decent corner. Their secondary is just and, not that good. I, I mean, their their Trey top Flowers, corner is is supposed to yeah. be Trey Waynes, who has been out right, but since they brought him, he in. might come back. Yet this season, and Trey Flowers, who is not again not great, okay, he's was kind of burnt toast on the Seahawks, but he still started. Yeah, he's a third on their depth chart, mm-hmm. and, 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 and that's, that's just they just brought him in. I but he's third on one side, so he's actually fifth on their depth chart overall, yeah. and that's that's shocking. And I think that just shows you how good their secondary or can just be. How bad the Seahawks and secondary was. That's that's also <laughs> true, but also I mean. Jesse Bates is good. Von Bell's good. Ricardo Allen is pretty good. I mean, they have a lot of, they have a good mix of younger guys and older guys in their secondary. And again, their pass rush got after it. When the Packers played them a few weeks ago, they got after Aaron Rodgers. And I think when you have an opportunistic defense, I wouldn't say that they have a top five defense in the league, but I think that it's a relatively strong defense. And then when you when you combine that with Joe Burrow and, and Jamar Chase and that receiving core with Tyler Boyd, you know, it's impressive. I think that they're a young team. I think they're going to make the playoffs, and I think they're definitely better than the Chiefs this year. So, I, you know what? I still, I just don't know that there will be consistent, consistently that many teams better than them. Patrick Mahomes knows how to get hot. He knows how to come from behind. That's true. Um, and and I, this team never seems to be out of it, except for today. They were never really in it, but <laughs> for the most part, they never seem to be out of it. And, um. I I would it would shock me if they were if their window closed. I think this year's been a weird year in the NFL overall. There's been a lot of injuries. There's been a lot of ups and downs. A lot of uncertainty. Um and and it would again shock me to to see them not consistent consistently making it. But but all that being said, very shocking to say the least to see the start that they've had. I don't think anyone would have expected that. Mm-hmm. No, I agree. Um, so, so with that being said, let's move on to our next topic, but real quick, once again, you are listening to, uh, the final whistle with me, myself, Jack, 
uh, Anders and Wyatt on Blue Gold Radio Sunday, streaming live um, at the communications stream or communication communications department stream on their website and live on air at 89.7 WUEC. For our next topic, um, we're going to talk about the NCAA a little bit, which I know Anders has been dying to talk about his brutal Badger football team this year. So let's. Uh, what, what do you got for us here to, to start us off? Well, I think that the main question that I want to discuss today is whether or not Paul Christ is going to retain his position as the head coach okay. at the end of the season. Um, I'm optimistic at the moment. They're on a three-game winning streak. Optimistic that he'll be back or optimistic for this team? Both. Interesting. So you want Paul Chris to stay? Yes, because I think that he is a good coach overall. I think that his recruiting has gotten a lot better. Wisconsin used to get, you know, 40, 42nd, 44th in recruiting in the NCAA, you know, and now they're up into the top 25, which is huge for Wisconsin because they're known for turning two or three star prospects into NFL draft picks. Um, I mean, these top players don't seem to be doing it for them. I mean, it, you look yeah. at this year. I mean, it's just. Uh, I mean, there there is there's reason for optimism optimism also because they have a 17 year old running back right now. I'm not sure. It's it's ridiculous. He's from Fond du Lac. 17. Yep, his name is Braylon Allen, and he graduated high school a year early to join the team. Wow. And he came in fourth or fifth on the depth chart this season, and then uh, Isaac Garendo got hurt. Jalen Berger was dismissed from the team, which Paul Chris has been very secretive about, so that's up for debate as to why that happened, but I think it had something to do with the fact that Ches Maluzzi came here from Clemson and transferred before mm-hmm. the season, Right, took a lot of his carries, so he was probably upset with the coaching staff about that, and they didn't like his attitude, so they dismissed him from the team. That's at least what I, I believe happened. Um but Braylon Allen then, because of those injuries and those roster moves, became the second running back on the depth chart, and now he is getting about half the carries as well as Malusi. And they'll both be back next year. Braylon Allen will probably be back for even the next season or two after that because he's such a young guy, and he looks like he could be the next Jonathan Taylor. And so the problem is we are running back university. We always have good running backs. And, and O-line. Right, and they've struggled this year too a little bit, mm-hmm. but they're getting a lot better. They've finally found a rotation that works for them. The concerning thing is that I don't know if it's the coaching or if Graham Mertz is just the most overrated prospect in college football history, but mm-hmm. he currently ranks 123rd yeah. out of 128 it's qualifying teams. It's hard to watch this man play football. <laughs> it is, and it's I, I will never understand. I think this is the main reason why he... Paul Chris should be on the hot seat is because Jack Cohn played great football in 2019. Yep. And then this freshman recruit who is so highly touted out of high school comes in, Cohn breaks his foot in camp, loses his job because of the injury to a guy who can barely throw the ball more than 10 yards downfield. Mm. And when he has a guy open, he routinely overthrows or misses receivers since his five touchdown, zero interception game against Illinois, I think he's thrown two touchdowns and 11 interceptions since then. I and, just, and Wisconsin lost eight straight games to ranked teams between November of 2019 and yesterday. Or, yeah. Sorry, Saturday. Or that was yesterday. When, when they beat up 
number 25 Purdue in a road game. But right. Mertz only threw eight passes in that entire game, which just demonstrates how little trust Chris has in him right now and how our running game and defense essentially carries us to victories. But that's not going to work against better teams, which is why I'm a little concerned about the I, team. Well, and I think more of that, in my opinion, falls on Chris than, uh, than on on Mertz because you sit here and you go, okay, who put Mertz in that position, first mm-hmm. of all? Second of all, why has he not taken away those starting duties? Now, I don't know who their backup is, but let's... Chase Wolf. But look He's at, worse than Graham Mertz. Well, okay, but sit here and look at what Oklahoma did. They had the consensus number one quarterback for the NFL draft mm-hmm. coming up Spencer as Rattler. their starting quarterback, yep. and they have since moved on because he came in and did not play well. When when is Chris going to do that? When is Chris going to say enough is enough? I'm tired mm. of you throwing four or five interceptions a game. I'm tired of you losing us football games. Exactly. And that's the most frustrating thing is that Wisconsin right now, if you went player for player, should be undefeated. I think they are a better team than Penn State. I think they're a better team than Michigan. I think they're a better team than Notre Dame, but we have three losses. And the Notre Dame loss was forty-one to thirteen, mm-hmm. and the Michigan loss was thirty-eight to seventeen. Yeah. However, in both of those games, we were losing. We were actually tied ten-ten going into the fourth quarter against Notre Dame before being outscored thirty-one-three in the fourth quarter mm-hmm. because Mertz threw three interceptions and lost a fumble in that quarter alone, right. and two were returned for touchdowns. Yeah. And then at the same time, the next week against Michigan, Mertz was actually playing well, got knocked out of the game with a rib injury, and then. Our backup, Chase Wolf, came in to throw two interceptions. And in that game, we were outscored in the fourth quarter again by about 20 points. Mm -hmm. So it's a little bit frustrating to watch how they've choked those games away. And and it makes you ask the question if our quarterbacks have the clutch ability to actually throw the ball when we have to. Because in this modern game of football, you know, Wisconsin's running an early 1900s offense. That's not going to win you any championships. That's not going to allow you to beat Ohio State when you can't run the ball 50 times a game against the top 5, 10 teams in the country. And it's frustrating because Wisconsin is so physically dominant on both sides of the ball that they can beat almost anybody until they start playing competent top 10 teams in the country where they'll get the doors blown off of them because they can't have a quarterback who throws the ball downfield. And again, I don't know if it's play call. I don't know if it's coaching, but I don't think it matters as much because no matter how you spin it, I think Mertz's play reflects more poorly on Paul Christ than yeah. it does on well, and, himself. Well, and to I that suppose. point, and that's that's what shocked me so much about kind of your desire to see him come back, um, and and all that because I feel like we've had this same conversation about Paul Christ coming back as the coach for the past few years now. And we were talking about, is this guy going to be brought back mm. when they were a, a decent team, when they were winning games, when they were a ranked team, when they were yeah, still one of the top teams in the Big Ten. Mm-hmm. Now come this year, they are hard to watch. They oh, are a, they are, this is the worst Badger team I think I've seen in my whole life. Now, granted, I haven't watched Badgers my entire life, but I have I don't recall a team just being so inconsistent and losing some terrible Especially games. Especially on offense. It, on a, a team that has 
for so long been known for mm. not known for quarterback play, but known for a a really good run game, right. really good offensive line, and a team that could just wear you the, out. The on other offense. thing that's yeah, and and I haven't. It, it blows my mind that we're sitting here and going. Yeah, this he might still retain his job. We were talking about him being fired last year and the year before when they actually had a competent offense, and now he doesn't. We're still sitting here like, is he going to get fired? I don't expect him back at all. I think he should be gone right now. There are a lot of reasons why I don't think they're going to fire him. Really? Yeah. One, Wisconsin is a traditionalist school. They have a tendency to stand by their formula because it's worked for so long. They're not going to drastically change things up it's a long season there's still four regular five regular season games left they're four and three and they have a huge home game next weekend against Iowa and if they win that game then the entire narrative of the season might be changed they're still in contention to make the Big Ten championship game now that Iowa lost a terrible game to Purdue um number two Paul Christ is very respected he played quarterback at Wisconsin. He was the offensive coordinator throughout the 2000s. He he coached Russell Wilson, and he was one of the most influential coaches in who Russell Wilson is today as an NFL quarterback. He has been there for Rose Bowls, Big Ten championships. He has a 5-1 and one record in bowls since coming to Wisconsin. He's the fourth most winningest head coach in college football since coming to Wisconsin in 2015. He has never had a losing season at Wisconsin. Mm-hmm. And he has a Rose Bowl appearance, an Orange Bowl victory, and a Cotton Bowl victory in the last six years. So I think when you look at that, also it's an off season for a lot of coaches. If you look at Clemson, they're worse than Wisconsin is this year. They're four and three, just like Wisconsin. Their offense is worse than Wisconsin because they don't have a viable running back, and their quarterback right now, DJ, you get you It's hard to pronounce his name. Um, he is terrible. He's been terrible this whole season, and. I don't think Clemson's going to fire Dabo Swinney over one season. You know, even though he his play call looks very questionable because of his track record and what he's done. And I think you have to take into account that COVID has probably shaken up college football this year just like it did last year in a way because these players, a lot of them, especially the younger ones, they haven't played in front of a stadium full of fans. And if you know anything about college football, the stadiums are noisier and louder and more more difficult to play in than college or than NFL stadiums because there's so much passion in the environment. And I think Graham Mertz is probably rattled because last year was the first year where he got to start. He played in front of no fans. There was no crowd noise. And this year he's coming out there off after a half of a season last year that was barely a season. And he's being tasked in front of playing it or to play in front of a hundred thousand screaming fans every Saturday. So then, then why, that's, then that's why is he the starting quarterback? About. You know what I mean? Like yeah. it, it, and, and again, it's as much as yes, expectation should be Grant Mertz should be from, from the hype coming in from the expectations coming in should be playing better football. But at this point, and we're saying all these things about him, why is he still playing football? At least starting, you know, and it still mm-hmm. falls back on who's putting him in this position, who's doing something about this. And not to mention, like, there are plenty of of uh, coaches who who were coordinators, position coaches, who just didn't work out as as mm-hmm. you know higher level coaches. I I think of when you had mentioned um, uh, what he did with with Russell Wilson and how he was influential like that. And I don't know how 
much this reference will be good for you guys, but it reminds me of the Vikings brought in John DeFilippo um, to be their offensive coordinator. He was the quarterback's coach for the Eagles the year that they won the Super Bowl. He was um, he was known to be very influential with his what he did for Carson Wentz when he was really good leading up. He was considered very influential for um, getting Nick Foles prepared enough to play as well as he did in the Super Bowl. And he came to Minnesota and was fired five weeks in mm-hmm. because he was not very good as an offensive coordinator. And I I think it's valid to say, like, yeah, we're holding on to this guy because of his past. Okay, but why are we holding on to, like, what about what he's doing now? What about what he's doing as a head coach? I mean, it's like we were talking about with, with Harbaugh going from the NFL to college football mm-hmm. and being like, this was a guy who took a team to the Super Bowl in the NFL. And this is a guy who can't find success in college. Why are we holding on to the fact that he was he did this in the NFL? Why can't we talk about he's not doing it now? Mm-hmm. If and you're if you're yeah. working a job, and and you were a really great employee in your last position, and then you get into you get you get a promotion, you're into this new position, and you are a terrible employee, you're not getting stuff done. They're not going to be like, yeah, but he was really good in his last position. You know, they're going to be <laughs> yeah. like, Get, what's this guy doing? You know, that is a very good point. Um, but I mean, again, college programs are traditionalists. Number one Two, the Big Ten is a tough conference to play in. And Harbaugh still has his job despite being one in five in bowl games since he took over. He and Chris took over around the same time. I think Harbaugh might have. Nope. They took over in the same season. Yep. 2015. And since then, they've made the same amount of bowl games. Michigan's one and five. Wisconsin's five and one. All right. And Michigan still wins roughly nine games a season. Wisconsin wins roughly 10. So there's still high, high tier programs in the grand scheme of college football. And it's a little different than the NFL because in college football, there's a lot of turnover with players, but because there's so much tradition and teams recruit the way they do and some teams have bigger budgets and different rules than others. I mean, Wisconsin has academic restrictions for recruiting. Alabama doesn't. Ohio State doesn't. And they're always going to have recruiting issues compared to those two schools. But the point of concern, and this is when I would really start considering firing Chris if I was um, the athletic director who I actually don't know who it is anymore because Barry Alvarez retired, but I would consider it because um, we have started to recruit some speed on the perimeter. There are faster wide receivers who have started to come to Wisconsin like Kendrick Pryor and Danny Davis. Those guys are seniors this year. And I'd start looking at them and saying, who's going to be the next guy up? Because why any wide receiver who has dreams of playing in the National Football League would want to come to Wisconsin, I have no idea. Because you're basically going there to do nothing but block perimeter cornerbacks the entire game. Right. Especially if you look at, if your QB's throwing eight passes every single Saturday, how are you going to get any statistics or any scouting as a wide receiver? So that's something that I would be more concerned about if I was Paul Christ is how am I going to actually recruit speed on the perimeter if I don't throw the ball? Hmm. And so... I think ultimately, and then we can change back to the next topic, I think if Wisconsin can win out or maybe just drop one more game in the regular season and finish 8-4 and four or 9-3 and three and maybe even probably take a massive loss to Ohio State in the Big Ten Championship again. As usual. Yeah. Um, I think Chris stays. But I think if they go 7-5 and five or worse, I think that 
there's actually a chance that they will fire him just because Wisconsin expects better. And this is a program that we thought was going to start to transition into being in the upper echelon of college football. So, okay. Well, anyways, uh, you are listening to the final whistle with uh, myself, Jack Durs and Wyatt on blue gold radio Sunday uh, live on 89.7 WEC and streaming on the UW Eau Claire communication department live stream website um, on to our final topic of the day we're going to bring back some nfl talk once again hopefully that gets wyatt a little more involved uh, we're going to talk about the packers you guys with your hometown team um unfortunately as a vikings fan uh it's it's a little more painful to hype them up but they've looked pretty good this year uh, that first game seemed like they were going to be brutal it, it was it was fun for me to watch the saints just dominate the Packers uh, outside of the fact that Aaron Rodgers was on my fantasy team that was rough um but they've looked really good ever since and Rodgers has looked really good he's looked like himself and um the offense seems like they're clicking on all cylinders uh my real question is are the Packers contenders or pretenders this year and I feel like we talk about this every single year contenders or pretenders Wyatt um so I think the Green Bay Packers are going to be contenders this year just if we look at all the circumstances surrounding them right now we're still um, five and one, six and one now, um, and our only loss was to the Saints, which it was in Week One. We weren't ready. We came out flat. We just got kicked in the mouth. So I think we can like discard that as just an outlier game. That's not the real team we have. But we've been a super injured football team this year. Like David Bakhtiari is out, Jair Alexander is out, and we just keep losing more people. And but we do keep getting more people back. So it's kind of staggered. We haven't been fully healthy, and we're still managing to win these games. Um, the only thing I'm worried about is we haven't had that one statement win yet that says, yes, we're here to stay. We're the big dogs in the NFC, which I think if we can beat the Cardinals on Thursday, that will be our statement win. But I do think we are contenders this year. Okay. Doris? Um, I agree with the Cardinals game being a very pivotal game. Um, I don't expect that the Packers will win that game. It's a Thursday night game on a short week. It's a road game. The Packers do not play well when they go out west because it seems like they're jet-lagged or it's just bad luck or something, but it seems like whenever they play an NFC West team on the road, they play terribly. Um, And speaking of that, Rodgers does not have a good career record in Glendale. Hmm. I don't think he's ever won a road game in Arizona except for the 2009 season when they won 33-7, but he's lost two playoff games there. They also got blown out there in 2015. Um, like I think it was, the score is 38 to eight against Palmer and Fitzgerald um, that year that the Cardinals won the NFC championship or lost in the NFC championship to the Panthers. So I don't expect that the Packers will win. They've also not played the most mobile quarterbacks this year, and they're going to be very challenged with Kyler Murray. Uh, Preston Smith was out this week. It's questionable as to whether he'll play Thursday. Zadarius Smith is also out. Kenny Clark has been beaten up. Um, Kyler Murray is an MVP candidate. They're still going to miss Alexander for a few more weeks. Kevin King has been out with a shoulder injury. The defense has been playing fantastic football for how injured they are, but they've also been facing the likes of Justin Fields and Taylor Heineke. Yeah. Um, they didn't play great against the Bengals with Joe Burrow as more of a just Aaron Rodgers playing defense with the offense, so to speak, and keeping the ball out of Burrow's hands. Um, and their other quarterbacks they faced include Winston, who actually torched them, Ben Rethlisberger, Jimmy Garoppolo. I'm just saying they haven't played a bona fide great QB yet yep. this year. 
I'd expect that they're going to allow 30-plus points, and it's either going to be a shootout or a blowout. So okay. the only the only chance that the Packers will have in that game is if Rodgers puts up 35 or more points. Okay. And it's possible, but I'm not sure. So I would say that they are contenders in that. I'd expect that they'll be back in the playoffs, most likely at least get to the divisional round, but I think that the only way for me to have faith that they'll be an actual Super Bowl contender is if they were to go into Arizona and shock the world and win by two or more touchdowns in a okay. true road game. So I, I, I gotta disagree. I gotta say pretenders. Um and and maybe that's just the Vikings fan in me, but realistically speaking, this is a team that has beaten the teams that they should beat. And and some of their wins against teams that, you know, you win those games and it looks good were very, very tight. I mean, you look at that 49ers game. That that seems like a winnable game to me. And I know, Durs, you've argued in the past that, you know, the 49ers have always been kind of one of the banes of the Packers' existence and always find a way to make it tough on them. But, man, to go in there and, and you know, bring it down to the last second kick, it, that's that's – it doesn't say much for a statement to me. Uh, and then, you know, the Bengals look good, but I don't know that I'm as, as set on them as some people are. You barely come out and beat, you barely beat them. Um, and then, you know, you, you beat the likes of Washington and Chicago and Pittsburgh and Detroit teams that like you should beat teams that are not very good this year. I don't think anything they've done so far screams, this is the team to beat it, to me. I don't know that that we're going to know that until this next stretch of games. And I, I think you guys made a good a point. Question? Yeah. Is there then any team in the league that you look at their record and their schedule and you say this team has proven that they're the team to beat I so think far? Obviously the Cardinals okay. um are up there. And I'd even argue the Rams. And and I know you disagree, but man, that team looks put together, and that team looks like they're fi- firing on all cylinders. And that NFC West is a tough division to play in right now. No team in in that division you don't want to play any of those teams. I mean, even the Forty ers and the Seahawks, when healthy, you don't want to play those teams. I think those two are the teams that you look at and you go, "Wow." Um, and I think the Packers are, can be up there, but it, these next games are going to be really telling. We're going to see how they do against the Cardinals. The probably their first really big uh competition of the year. And then the Chiefs, who like I said, I still have faith that there's something there as long as Patrick Mahomes' injury that he had today is not anything serious. That's a tough game for the Packers against a secondary that if they don't have Jair Alexander fully healthy or they don't have Kevin King fully healthy or anything with their secondary not being healthy, they could get torched. Um, speaking of, like as as much as the Packers secondary has been fine, Jair Alexander has not looked like he has in the past few years. He's not looked bad, but he's not looked elite. Um, and, and you know, well, he's, he's been out most of the season. He's been out when he's also been hurt a lot. But then the Seahawks, always a tough team. Like I said, NFC West, never fun to play. Then you've got the Vikings, who typically you either split against them or they sweep you. And uh, you don't see a whole often, at least in recent years, where the Packers go in and, and they're 2-0 against the Vikings on the right. season, especially when they play at U.S. Bank. Mm-hmm. That's a tough, tough game for Aaron Rodgers and the right. Packers. I mean, I will say this. Matt LaFleur is a conservative head coach. He is. If you 
think back to the NFC Championship last year when he decided to just kick the field goal and try for an onside kick or a stop when we were, you know, we lost 31-26, right? It's fourth and goal, 31-23. You got a touchdown, two-point conversion, send the game to overtime. You have Aaron Rodgers, and he kicks the field goal, right? So just thinking about that, if that translates to this season and that energy, which it has, the Packers were leading the Bears 24-7, to and they were leading today 24-7. to and if you so if you look at those two scores, the finals are 24-14 and 24-10. LaFleur likes to keep Rodgers and his players healthy as you know as healthy as possible. So he's not going to inflate the score and run up the score and continue having Rodgers take deep shots when we have the game in hand midway through the third quarter. So I think that's why some of these scores look closer than they are. Yeah. And but- they were they were up 27-10 on the Steelers final 27-17. Um, and so I just think that this question should have been asked three weeks from now, four weeks from now. I think that it's too early to tell because some of the teams that we've played, like the 49ers are probably better than their record indicates and other teams we just haven't played yet. I think after the next five week stretch with the Cardinals, Chiefs, Seahawks, Vikings, and Rams, we will know a lot more because oh, they could be terrible and end up being six and six after five weeks, or they could be great and actually win most of, if not all of those games. And we right. just will have to wait and see to and find to out. And to that point, I mean, of their seven, of their first seven games, I'd say four of those are gimme wins. Those four of those games, they should win. And if they didn't win, that would have been a problem. You look at their last games, their, 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 their final games, second half of the season, they, I, I'd say two of those are gimme wins. They've got the Bears again, and they've got the Lions again. And even the Bears game is an iffy one. So you sit there and you go, okay. I mean, now it gets real. And I don't know that that they're going to be able to pull that off. You don't get to play the likes of Taylor Heineke every week. You don't get to play the likes of, of you know, the, the Lions every week. And in the games where you're playing good teams, they've been good games. They've been close games. And of those teams that were quote good that you've played in these first two I still don't think are the best teams in the NFC you played a 49ers team that can be good you played a Bengals team that I think a lot of people are iffy about and outside of that you played a bunch of teams that were not very good and you lost your first game of the year against a team that isn't very good so you sit here and and I I just don't see enough to say this team's a contender I think it's a team that makes the playoffs because the NFC North is really weak and they don't get very far. I think it it reminds me of how the Packers have been for a long time now. It's they're in and then they're done. And I I don't think they're good enough to to go further. But I guess you guys as Packer fans may think a little differently. Wyatt, anything to close before we're done here? Yeah, I actually think the um, the Packers are going to shock the Cardinals. Really? Um, I think it's going to be at least a one score or a two score game. Okay. I think our defense is playing really hot right now, and our offense has yet to fire on all cylinders, and I think we're going to unleash some special plays against them. Um, they've looked vulnerable. I mean, their offensive line just got beat up by the Houston Texans today. Yeah. We all know how bad the Houston Texans are. So I think there's a real shot that we just take away Kyler Murray and we take away all their offensive firepower. That's a good point. Um, I think it really depends that off that defense of the Packers – Always feels very hit or miss. Um, I can never tell what they've got. And yeah, they've had a lot of injuries. So um, I guess, like we said, the real test is is soon to come. But with that being said, we are 
quickly approaching eight o'clock, which means our time here is um, about to be finished. Very good to be back. Very nice to be back in the studio with with you guys. Um, you know, I want to thank Caleb, our, our uh, sound engineer, who's helping us out this year um, for doing that for us. Very excited to have Wyatt here. It's it's great to have a third member, and I'm really excited about that for this year. And obviously, always good to to be back with you, Anders. And uh, it's it's nice. Yeah, to talk you, sports as well. with you. you as well. You um, as well. But with that being said, uh, this is the final whistle on Blue Gold Radio Sunday with. Jack Durs and Wyatt. You've been listening to Blue Gold Radio Sunday for the past few hours here, and we cannot wait to be back next week. I hope you all have a great rest of your Sunday and have a great week, and we will see you next Sunday.